<sighs> Good afternoon. <laughs> Just. Um, hello, Catch the Fire. I have a question. Have you? Some of you are like, what? Yeah. Let me try that again. Hello, Catch the Fire. Hello. I have a question. Have you? We had a moment in our church a few weeks ago, and I'll talk a little bit more about that, but we had a moment, and I I suddenly realized that when God names something, he means something. And all through the scriptures, you'll see God naming people as a prophetic sign of who they will be. And sometimes he changes names in the scriptures because he says, you're not this, actually, you're this. You, you, Simon, you will be Peter. Yeah? Abraham, you will be Abraham. Some of you are like, okay, this is the Bible. <laughs> Highly recommended. We're called Catch the Fire. We're not called Catch the Love. We're not called Catch the Worship. We're not called Catch the Bible. We're not called Catch the Leadership. We're not called Catch the Pastor. We're not called Catch the Preach. We're not called Catch the Worship, Prophetic, or anything else which we wholeheartedly agree with. We are catch the fire. (sighs) There's a heap of lead pastorship over there. You know, something's happened in our church in the last literally five weeks, six weeks maybe, um, and we are burning. And I thought we were burning before. Did you know it's possible that there's more? Four people know there's more. Are you aware that his thoughts are above your thoughts, his ways are above your ways, and he's bigger than you have ever experienced? Which means there's more. And we were, well, I thought we were burning before, but we, we've gone a little bit nutty. And as, as I said in the, in the first service, uh, that's from the Greek, natos. And it means, no, I'm joking. Um, we've, we have started to burn in a way that we've never burnt before. We have started to receive God's fire in a way that we have never received it before. And I'm just going to cut out the middleman. If at any point in the next 30 odd minutes, you feel something tugging on your heart, I want to invite you to the front and just to commune with God. And let me, Bishop Joseph Garnson says, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. And that's a preach. Okay, so here's what's happening. I believe God wants to release a hunger for the fire of God that you have never experienced before. And so when you start to feel that pulling, then just come to the front and we're just going to do a ministry time for the next 30 minutes. I have seen people change in our church in the last five weeks that I'd never seen before. We've had people like the top HR specialist in London going into work and saying you to a colleague who she had no history of, she said, you will get a promotion within 24 hours. She got two promotions. 
We've had people going into workplace and healing the sick. We've had people going into workplace and, and, and releasing prophetic words. We've had people going into the workplace. And, and this isn't just, this is not church. This is one expression of church. Church looks like people coming together, seeking God, receiving from God and changing the world around you. The fire is supposed to erupt within you. You're supposed to get it. You're supposed to catch it. And then it is supposed to do something through you. It's got to do something in you first, but it's got to do something through you as well. It's not that God touches you so that you become a better evangelist. God doesn't touch you so that you preach better. Oh, caveat. I'm from South London. We talk quick, okay? So I'm sorry that I'm now in the southern states of the United States and you talk slowly. So if you need to, get the video on YouTube. You can put it on slow motion and then understand everything I say, okay? The fire that happens in us and here's the difference. Like I've had impartations of love before. I've had impartations of power before. I've had impartations of grace before. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But that what's happened recently is that we had an impartation of fire. And fire is different to power. Power causes stuff to happen. Fire burns things. And so here's the thing. If you, if you are brave enough to, re- to receive a hunger for God's fire stuff's gonna change because God as fire burns everything that is not of God. I was just praying for someone just I didn't even know it was first service second service it kind of mushed into one so I was praying for someone over here and I don't know if they're still in the room but I I could tell that there was a kind of like this looks a little scary like fire scares some people and Here's the deal. When we were releasing what God gave to us a few weeks ago in our church, we started to release something and there were some people who were running into the fire. There were some people who were jumping into the fire. There were some people who were kind of walking a little bit, uh, a little bit sensitively towards what was happening. And there were some people who didn't have the strength within them to walk or jump or dance into the fire. They were in a bad place in their life. And God spoke to me and through a weird verse, because it's... I'm stretching it slightly theologically, but he spoke to me through Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who, who, were, who were not intentionally wanting to go into the fire that they ended up in. They were bound and placed in fire, but the fire was so destructive that the people who put them in the fire died because of the heat of the fire. It's in the Old Testament, you can read it. And then the king looks into the fire And he says, did we not put three people in there? Because I see four. God was with them in the fire. And here's what happened. They came out and not a hair on their head was singed. Not a moment of charring on their clothes. But everything that bound them was burnt up. God burns everything that is not of him. And so this that's happening in our church at the moment and through our community at the moment, we're seeing people going into their workplace and they are seeing impossible situations completely transformed because God puts a fire inside of us and he starts to burn within us. And when we're burning, everywhere we go, things start to get destroyed if they're not of God. And that's really the cry of our hearts, is it not? I 
love it when I can love someone into the kingdom of God. I, I lo- I'm a pastor primarily and I, I love it. I love hugging people. If you've met me, I've hugged you. That's what I do. And this is the first time. I tend to shake hands the first time. And then later on in that conversation, I'll hug you because I love hugging. I love love. I love how love changes people. I love power. I love power and the signs and the wonders. I love healings. I love miracles. We've seen incredible miracles in our ministry and through our ministry of Catch the Fire around the world, in Kenya especially. We, you know, Chloe said to God, I want to see 50 blind eyes last year. And God said to her, why are you limiting me? 50 blind eyes healed. He said, why are you limiting me? She's like, okay, 100. Um, And we saw over 100 blind eyes opened in 2017. Um, not, not from our own prayers, sometimes our own prayers, but just because we, we were just excited and we love power. We love seeing God's power that raised Jesus from the dead. Kate prayed it earlier. Raised the, the power that was exerted in Christ Jesus when God raised from the dead in Ephesians 1 um, was, is in us. Woohoo! But I love power, but fire is different. Fire is different. Fire burns stuff that's not of God's. And I didn't used to be like this. All of you that know me, know my history. You know that a few years ago, I went into a conference and I'll tell the story in a second. I just want to, I was pretty scared. I was filled with shame. Now, I understand that there are some people in the room who are filled with shame and you would say that your reason for shame is better than my reason. But here's the deal. We all suffer with shame at some point or another, and what I dealt with was my stuff. It's a first world problem. Here's my problem. I was a leader in Catch the Fire, and I didn't really think that I could feel God at all. Now, you're like, well, that's nothing. I have shame about my image, and I have shame. My shame is my shame, okay? And your shame is your shame. What I'm saying is, I went into this conference with shame and I went into a situation where I'm like, I'm the only one left standing every time. Every flaming time. <laughs> we go forward for impartation, someone prays for us, everyone's on the floor except for Stu. And I'm like, I receive it by faith, I receive it by faith, I receive it by faith. I just, I just, and I was a leader in Catch the Fire. And everyone else is like, whoa, Shabba. And I'm just like, amen. I receive it by faith. I receive it by faith. I receive it by faith. See, I'm not the only one. In Exodus 3, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There was an angel of the Lord who appeared to him in flames of fire. Everyone say, flames of fire. From within the bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this amazing sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. I don't know about your day-to-day life. But if that happened to me, I'd be like, this is ridiculously awesome. I've just seen a bush on fire that didn't burn. That's a, that's a sign and a wonder, yes? Everyone? That's a sign and a wonder. Then there's an angel chatting to me. That's pretty awesome. Some of you are like, oh, no, I don't. No. 
an angel talking to you is pretty awesome. And then the audible voice of God starts to tell him who God is. How many people think that's a pretty good quiet time? But there's something within Moses that clicks in the wrong way. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. When I went to this conference, there was, um, it was an amazing conference. Um, there was, oh, who was it? Marcus Lamb was preaching. Kenneth Copeland was preaching. Reinhard Bonnke was preaching. Dunk was preaching. Uh, John Arnott was preaching. Steve Long was preaching. It was an amazing conference. And then just as we arrived, I heard that Benny Hinn was preaching. He'd asked to be part of the conference, and that is rare. And, and, and so I went into this kind of like analytical thing, because I'm a veterinary scientist. Um, I'm a sci- you know, analytical, logical, intellectually based person. That's who I am, and so I analyze a lot. And so I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't like Benny Hinn. That's what I'm thinking internally. Obviously, externally, I'm like, oh, what an anointed man of God. But inside, I'm like, I don't like Benny Hinn. Now the thing is, and here's, here's my problem, it was the shame speaking internally. My shame of not feeling God, not feeling that I was powerful in God, knowing that I was a good pastor, knowing that I was good at loving people and knowing that I was good at understanding people, but feeling shame that I didn't have the power thing, I didn't have like the fire thing. I, I had all the, what we would call soft skills, you know? I'm, I, I can smile at you, make you feel lovely. That was me. Benny Hinn's like the opposite of that. Now, I'd never met him. I'd never heard him. I'd never seen him. I'd never read anything from him. I didn't know anything about him, but I didn't like him. Internally, because my shame was filtering what he was or who he was. And so he preaches, and I'm like, he's actually biblical. Shocking. I did not see that coming. And so my, my defenses were starting to come down a bit, but my shame is going up a bit. Okay, and so and then he, he preaches. It was a great preach. Agreed with everything. Wow, amazing. And um, and then he went into ministry, and I was like, oh, you know, show off, <laughs> wearing your white suit. <laughs> now, as as we went into the into the night, I already had issues. Now the issues were that I was wearing conference attire, looking like this. And then I found out that Benny Hinn, if he finds out you're a pastor and you're not wearing a suit with a tie, he doesn't think you're honoring God. And I'm a pastor and I wasn't wearing a suit or a tie. And so I started to fear the situation. My shame started to come up. And so I I had a plan. I don't know if you've been to Toronto, but it's a big auditorium. And then there's this boom camera over here. I said, Chloe, I've got a plan. We're going to hide. We're going to... And, and, you know, shame can make anything spiritual and sound good. And so I'm like, the people are like, would you like to sit on the first or the second row? I'm like, no, we don't need to. That's fine. I'm very humble. I'll let my seat go to someone else who needs it. You know, I'll, I'll just defer. I'm very, very godly. I'm very noble, full, full of God's kindness to other people. They can sit there and we'll hide And he goes into ministry and he's like to this side of the room and he's like, everyone stand up, stand up, hold hands, touch. And I'm like, touch? What does touch mean? That's not biblical. And my, because shame filters what you hear through your issues to make everyone else an issue in their own lives because you're right and they must be wrong because I'm protecting myself because of this shame that's within me. Just like Moses, like he hid his face. Anyway, 
in my eyes, 300 people hit the deck. There were 300 people stood up. There were 300 people now on the floor. Now, apparently, I've heard from trusted people that not everyone hit the floor at all. But shame filters what you see to back up your own issue. And so because I'm the only non-spiritual one in the room, everyone else is bound to hit the floor, shake a bit and say shabba, because that's what happens. And I never get that, because that's what shame was saying in my heart. Anyway, get to the next group. Stand up, stand up. Hold hands, hold hands. Such. 500 people are on the floor. Gets to the next group. And this, this is the, when the horror starts in my heart. Because I'm a scientist, see? And I can tell what's happening. He's coming my way. <laughs> He's making his way across the room. And I was like, oh, dear Jesus. No, no, God, anything. Come back now. Do, do something. And then I, then I was praying a really very spiritual prayer, which is, God, would you slain Benny in the spirit? Which is a very, like, that's nice, isn't it? I'm like, God, would you bless Benny? So much he can't walk any closer. (laughs) Because shame will spiritualize dysfunction and make it sound like you're a good leader. Gets to the next bit and he's like, stand up, stand up. Hold hands, touch. And I've got a defense seat because we're in the third row. And he gets to our group and he's like, stand up, stand up. And my shame of I'm not going to feel, I don't feel, I'm the only one, I'm not spiritual, God doesn't maybe like me as much as he likes everyone else. All of these lies are flooding through my soul and my mind because I had a shame issue. Shame is not of God. And then something terrible happened. As he gets us all to stand up and hold hands and says, touch over our grouping, everyone hit the deck except for me. Now I've got a big problem here because my defense was that we were in row three. But the first two rows have just been demolished. The first two rows are on the floor. And so I'm there and I'm exposed. So I do the spiritual look around. (laughs) And inside I'm like, oh God, please take me now. Like this is just the worst moment of my life. And I know that's a first world problem, but it was my problem. It's like, this is the worst moment of my life. I can't believe I'm the... Not only am I the only one left standing, I'm the only one left standing in Toronto. And then, the, I didn't go there this, in the first service. And then, and then what I would consider in that moment of my life, the worst words that I could have ever heard in my whole life, I heard over the speakers. That couple there, bring them to the front. And my eyes are shut and I'm like, oh dear Jesus, no, anyone else in the whole universe, but not me. Please make that not be me. Please make that not be me. And I'm like, it can't be me because I know my wife's already on the floor. So that couple wouldn't have made sense. And, um, and internally, I'm like, not only am I going to be the only person left standing in the whole of 3,000 people in Toronto, I'm going to be the only person left standing at the front on Daystar TV, which is being broadcast live. And I'm like, oh dear Jesus, this is like the worst moment ever. And my shame has just gone completely bananas. It's just like all over me. I can't think straight. I can't. And then I feel arms around my shoulders and the stewards, very roughly I might add, grabbed hold of me and dragged me to the front. They scooped Chloe off the floor and stood her next to me. They literally scooped her off the floor and put her next to me. And I'm just, everything is bad in my head I'm just like oh god this is and I can hear John and Carol see 
Carol, they're going to get Stu. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to be here. Why did we come? This is terrible. Because I'm a leader of a charismatic church and I don't feel God. I'd bought into a lie that some are wired for faith and some are wired for feelings. And I read Luke 8, 47, which says, Jesus felt power leave him. And after this experience, I realized I'm wired like Jesus. And therefore, everything he paid for is available to me. And I'm not wired one way or the other. I'm wired like Jesus. And therefore, everything he paid for is available to me. And all I can describe is that as Benny came towards us, stood at the front with me in the middle of my pit of self-pity. Four guys picked up a tree and threw it in my abdomen. That's what it felt like. This, uh, from here to here, I went flying. And I was in a heap on the floor. And I said to John afterwards, did he punch me? <laughs> Felt like he punched me with a very big fist. <laughs> and um, as I'm on the floor thinking, did I, did, was that real? Did I make that up? Like the test me earlier, it was like, was that real? I don't know if that was real. Did I, did I throw myself across the room? I, I don't, I'm not, and I hear these words, pick him up. And Benny's like, pick him up, pick him up. It's like, ugh. It's like the first time I've ever felt God leave me alone. And he picked me up. <laughs> and he prayed for me again. And I was in a heap again. And he, pick me up, pick him up. <laughs> and the third time they left me on the floor and my arms were like in a bit of a knot. And I don't know how that happened. And I opened my eyes and I couldn't see anything. And I thought, that's interesting. First thing I thought was, I wonder what my dad's going to think um, about the fact that I'm blinded. Uh, Christian conference and the second thing because I'm an analytical theologian the second thing I'm like the only reference I've got for being blinded is Paul on the road to Damascus as Saul and he was killing Christians what have I done <laughs> and then God spoke to me and he said I could see after a few like probably 10 seconds or so I don't know what that was about yet but God spoke to me and he said You've received an impartation of grace. You've received an impartation of mercy. You've received an impartation of love. Would you like an infusion of power? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I want you to recognize the state of my heart in that moment and God still broke through my shame and touched me and imparted to me something that changed my life. <laughs> but then, a couple of weeks ago, we were in Toronto, six weeks ago, and um, it was an amazing conference. It was a CFAN conference. Uh, Christ for All Nations, Daniel Kalender was running it. Reinhard Bonnke was on the list. Lou Engel preached. John Kilpatrick preached. Um, uh, Heidi preached. Randy preached. A whole bunch of superstars in the kingdom. They were preaching. And, um, but we went for one reason, really. 
um, to the conference, and that was because we heard Claudio Friedson was preaching. And I never knew anything about Claudio. All I know is that he prayed for John and Carol Arnott in 1993, and after that moment, Randy and John met, and then the rest is us history, and we're now living in that history. And so I was like, ooh, and Chloe and I were like, ooh, Claudio's preaching. Let's go and get an impact. And the thing is, I changed. Because of the impartations I've received and because of the intimacy that I've built, because of the hunger that I have in my heart, the difference between me going to that Benny moment and me going to this Claudio moment was like night and day. I was like the hungriest person in the room. I don't know if you've ever been to Toronto. I don't know if you feel hungry right now, but maybe you need to be thrown in the fire like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. I'm just saying, if you don't feel hungry, get someone who is hungry to take you into the fire. Because that fire is going to burn up everything that is not of God. But the difference is that I was, I was hungry. And the thing is, God always feeds the hungry. And this is what I've learned, and I've been passing this on to everyone, and I've got the mic, so I'm going to pass it on to you guys. The moment that you feel God, the moment that you feel that peace, or you feel that heaviness, or you feel that weight, or you feel that light, or you get that scripture, or you, whatever it is that God touching you looks like, the moment you do that, most Christians dial down their hunger at that moment because they've just received from God, and they're like, they're satisfied. And what I've learned is in the moment of feeling God, in the moment of being touched by God, in the moment of receiving from God, that's when our hunger should be the highest. Most of us miss out on what God has for us because we felt him, saw him, got a scripture, whatever it may be, we felt a bit of peace and we're like, oh, I touched, I felt from God, I received from God, now I can get about my, my daily business. Instead of in that moment being the hungriest you've ever been, and I was hungry when Claudio was there and he was preaching and I was vibrating and that's not like me because I'm a theologian. And I would, my arms are like this and when he was releasing in his Spanish and I was like, come on. And the session before was really embarrassing for all of us on the front row because um, the session before, I think it was session before, Randy was preaching and Randy's, Randy said, if you would like, that's all we heard. And we heard, if you would like, and we started, our hunger was like up here. So we're like, if you would like, I like. And so we started to go forward. It's like, if you'd like to give your life to Jesus. And we're like, ooh, okay. <laughs> We've got someone who's a senior leader in Kenya for us um, in our Kenyan project. And he's, been, he's gone forward and got saved seven times that I'm aware of because he misunderstood the call. He just was like, I'll have some of that. There was one time he's walking down a church of multiple hundreds of people and he suddenly realized, he thinks he's going for more of God. And he walks down and he suddenly finds that everyone's clapping. He's like, that's a strange response. And then he realized he's the only one moving forward. He got to the front and they're like, so you've, you want to give your life to Jesus? And he didn't have the heart to tell them that he'd done that like six times. And so he went through the whole prayer, got a little baby Bible, went for a room for counseling and did the whole, did the whole thing. Of, anyway, that's not the point. I was hungry. When Claudio said, if you would like an impartation, and here's the thing, you need to know what Toronto's like, especially on conferences. Every time anything happens in Toronto, the Koreans are lining up across the front. The Koreans are the hungriest people you've ever met in your life. And this is not a bad thing. This is not a judgment. They're hungry. I want to be like a Korean. I want to be hungry, so hungry. And there's sometimes you, they get called forward for impartations. And I'm like, hold on a minute. That's got nothing to do with you. That's not an impartation for you. And they're like, hungry. I don't care what the impartation is. I'm having more. So the Koreans were in the room. And then I learned something about Nigerians. Nigerians are ravenously hungry for more of God. And so there was a call forward in a previous session for Nigerians to be blessed, and there was a stampede. We nearly died in that stampede. There was, there were, they, they were hungry. Nigerian, Nigerians and Koreans, I want to be like them, right? When, when, when Claudio said, do you want it? 
the first people at the altar were Catch the Fire leadership. Me and Chloe, I think, were the first. I'm not going to brag, just got there first. Because I've never been more hungry. And long story short, we received something. I didn't really feel like much in that moment, but then I, I had the privilege of carrying Carol Arnott back to the green room because she couldn't walk. How you doing, Ash? Um, Carol couldn't walk, and so I and a security guy took her back to the green room. And we were, it was a CFAN conference, so they were renting the whole building, so we weren't invited into the green room at any time because we weren't speakers, and that was fine. But I was in the green room because I was scooping Carol up. And so we, we took her back and put her on the floor. She met with Heidi, and then Chloe was with me, and they ended up in a heap, and, and there was a few other girls that ended up in a heap with them, uh, Nancy Smith from Dallas, etc. And so there was, there was stuff going on there, and I'm just like... I don't think I really received anything when he prayed for me because I was trying to protect my wife from being stampeded by the Koreans and the Nigerians. And so I'm trying, literally, I, I actually thought 3,000 people were going to squash us into the stage. It was that hungry. And some of us are like, oh, that's so uncouth. I'd rather be hungry and uncouth than pretending I've got enough of God and carrying on with a normal life. So let's not judge people who may look slightly different to us in their hunger. I'd rather be hungry. And I was in the green room, knowing I wasn't supposed to be in the green room, but waiting for my wife to get off the floor. And so I was just stood there, kind of minding my own business, and Claudio walks into the green room, and he walks in, and he's like this. First thought was, that's weird. Second thought was, ooh, he looks like a lion looking for victims. And do you know what? I'm so hungry right now. Pick me. And so I managed through a couple of different things to get in the way of Claudio as he was prowling. And I received something that was very different to what Benny imparted to me. Benny imparted power, and I've seen power change lives since then. We've seen blind eyes. We've seen people get out of wheelchairs. We've seen businesses change. I'm a veterinary science, business consultant. I go into practices that... Um, uh, are, are struggling and I go in and then because of what God has given me we see changes in that business and they suddenly go into in, into profit and they suddenly like one practice doubled its turnover it was amazing God has changed stuff with the power that he put in me but when we were when I got prayed for by Claudio something hit me that burnt up a whole bunch of stuff that was not of God and I, I I'm not living I wasn't living a life of sin and living a life of weird stuff there was pride in my heart um, and there the, I'll tell you what there was there was a frustration that I used to have especially with people who can't drive properly <laughs> and um, maybe it's a little bit they're still there anyway what I've noticed is that fire burns. What I've noticed is that fire burns everything that's not of Jesus. Everything that is not of God. Every, and this burning inside of me has caused us to change our lifestyle. It's caused us to sacrifice some stuff. It's caused us to put time aside. It's caused us to know who we are in a way that we never knew before. There is something that has happened in us that has changed us and marked us and we will never be the same again. And do you know what's really changed? Is that I absolutely refuse to live without him. I absolutely refused. Like before I was kind of growing in my love relationship with Jesus and, and I was loving him and he was loving me and I get the intimacy message and I love the intimacy message. I preach the intimacy message. It was very soft and lovely and loving and soft and lovely. But this is different. 
This is an absolute, dogged, determined, consumed refusal to live normally. To live without the fire inside my life is a non-negotiable. I have told my wife once, stop. We need to stop this. We were having an intense moment of fellowship. We don't really row much, well, if ever, but um, we, we sometimes get tense, you know, and it's an intensity that, that rises as, as we're disagreeing about something. And in the middle of it, I'm just like, stop. I will not allow this to defile my fire. And our attitude towards each other has changed. Our attitude towards our church has changed. Our attitude towards everything has changed because fire burns things. Anything not of God is out the way and we are becoming purer and purer. And what does that look like? It looks like an absolute hunger, a determination. Do you know what? I want to release an impartation this afternoon that says... I cannot and will not live without him. This is a refusal. I, the thing that's happened to me, and this is what I'm releasing, and don't take this if you like your life the way it is, because this will change your life, okay? But what, I, what, what I'm releasing this, this afternoon is something that says, I'm, I'm absolutely horrified about the idea of living normal. I'm absolutely disgusted. That's the thing that keeps coming up in my heart. The idea of living normal, the idea of living without a burning passion for the person of Jesus is an absolute non-negotiable. I refuse it. And I, I, I said it to our church. I'm like, I refuse to lead a church because it's not burning. I refuse. We are not another club. We are not another church. Bless all the other churches. But we are catch the fire and we will burn. We are catch the fire and we will burn. And it's not, it's not okay to live normal. It's not okay to live in a place where you go about your daily life and then we come to church on Sunday and do church and do nice stuff. Fire burns and everything that's not of God has to go. It has to go. It has to go. You know, bushfires can cause damage. But you know what's worse than a bushfire? A fireplace with no fire. I just, God, I never, I never want to do this without you. I never want to do this without you. I, I cannot, I cannot countenance, I cannot comprehend going back. And I, we were in Germany and we were doing this sort of stuff and, and we were releasing some stuff and this pastor came up to me and he says, I never knew this was, re- I never knew this was possible. I never knew the invitation for this sort of reality was there. I didn't know, but now that we've tasted it, there is no going back. And God, as for me and my house, we won't go back. We choose to burn. We choose to burn. Why don't you just extend your hunger to him right now? Just extend your hunger to him right now because it's not about me and it's not about Claudio. It's about the burning passion for Jesus, for the Father, for the Holy Spirit. It's about the burning passion that is uncompromised and uncompromisable. Not even sure that's a word. That we cannot be compromised. That that we will not be compromised. That our lifestyle, everything that we have within us, everything that he's given to us. What a privilege to know him as a father. What a privilege to know who we are in union with Christ. What a privilege to know that we're temples of the Holy Spirit. But we have to burn for more. We have to burn. Wesley said, I set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. 
You know, when, when you're burning for him, everything that's not of God in your life starts to diminish because it becomes irrelevant. It becomes unimportant. It becomes, it becomes like disgusting to you because it's like, no, I don't want that. I don't want to look at that. I don't want to say that. I don't want to feel that. I just, I'm not going to allow that to be in my life because God is more important than any titillation of the world and the world that can bring to us. I was like, I'm not going there. I'm not going to look there. I'm not going to feel that. I'm not going to think that. But here's what fire really does, is fire protects you. Because when you are burning with Him, I'm not talking about just random, but I'm talking about burning with the fire of Jesus Christ. When you are burning with Him, it, it, the fire comes through you and the fire goes from you and that fire protects you because the devil, darkness, that can't come close to the fire of God. It burns. <laughs> That's his eternal destination. He don't want to come near that fire. And so there's a protection that comes when you're burning for Jesus. There's a protection that comes when He is this, the soul, devotion, affection. Come on, I can feel it coming. But it's got to come from you. It's not about other people. It's not about the person next to you. But if you feel bound and you feel unable to get into the fire, then ask someone to take you into the fire. And the fire that is within them will burn the stuff that's around you. It's godly fire. It's God and His fire. It has to burn. We have to burn for you, Jesus. For you, Jesus. Extend your hunger to Him right now. He feeds the hungry. He always feeds the hungry. He will feed and He will supply what you ask Him for when He knows that the result of this answer to prayer is you being burning for Him, passionate for Him, sold out for Him, uncompromised, uncompromisable. God's been saying to us for some time now, all or nothing, guys, all or nothing. All or nothing, guys, all or nothing. And so we submitted our lives to Him. We submitted my veterinary career to Him. We submitted closed personal fitness training studio to Him. We submitted our time to Him. We submitted our diary to Him. We submitted our finance to Him. We submitted our choices and our decision-making to Him. We're just like, God, I haven't got time for anything other than all or nothing. If it's not gonna change the world, what's the point? It's gotta be real. It's got to be Him. It burns for you. start releasing what's been given to us and we're I'm going to do it corporately but I, I want to put a government health warning on this because if you want your life to stay everything that it is right now please do not ask for the fire of God to come into your life if you're satisfied if you believe you are filled if, if things are already okay for you then you don't want this because this is going to change stuff and I, I really believe that right now, God wants to deliver an impartation into the lives of every hungry person. And I just encourage you, don't be distracted. Don't be distracted by other people's reception of fire. You and Jesus, you and Jesus. And I want to invite everyone who received fire in the first service. And if you've been released on ministry team by this church, then I want you to come and get involved in this. 
Because it's not about me and it's not about Chloe and it's not about Philly. It's about Him. It's about Him. It has to be Him. But if you would like to receive, then I'm going to ask you to take one of three postures. One is standing, the other is sitting, the other is kneeling. One of those three postures. If you would like to receive from Him, then one of those three postures. But I'd encourage you to do the charismatic thing. You don't have to stand. If you're already on the floor, stay on the floor. Laying's okay. Sorry. Fourth posture. Laying is absolutely legal. (laughs) And I'm going to release Steve to lead us in this song because this song is the point of this message. And so I want you to respond not to me, not to me being excitable, not to me speaking too quickly. I want you to respond to a hunger that tugs on the insides. My heart burns for you. This is not a love impartation. It's not a power impartation. This is a fire impartation. Take it. You know, when Claudio prayed for John and Carol in 1993, Claudio said, he looked John in the eyes. He said, do you want it? And I believe that the Lord God Almighty is looking you in the eyes right now and He's asking, do you want it? And if your answer is yes, then my response is, well, take it then. Take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. And I, I, need, to, I need your words and your heart to be absolutely, I want it, I want it, I'll take it, I'll take it. Why don't you just say that? If you really want it, just say, I'll take it, I'll take it. We burn for you, God. This is not a knees up. This is going to change the world. This will change your life and then it will change the world. We want to see businesses on fire for Jesus. We want to see families on fire for Jesus. We want to see communities on fire for Jesus. This means something. This is not a party. This is an impartation of fire to change the world. invite you to come to the front. The team are already imparting, the team are already releasing. We're going to be there. Chloe, myself and Philly are going to be talking to heaven about changing lives this afternoon because it's not, this is not frivolous. This is not frivolous. It has to burn. It has to burn. It has to burn. It has to burn.
your glory come down Let the fire fall, let the wind blow Let your glory come down Let the fire fall, let the wind blow Let your glory come down Let the fire fall, let the wind blow Let your glory come down Let the fire fall, let the wind blow Let your glory come down Let the fire fall, let the wind blow Let your glory come down Come down, let the fire fall, let the wind blow Let your glory come down Let the fire fall, let the wind blow Let your glory come down Let the fire fall, we blow Let your glory come down
Is intimate. 